0: Open us up in prayer. Amen. Well, we are continuing our little study on the tithe, the 10, the sacred portion. And... Um, I know most people that tithe don't have a problem with tithing. They're not looking for excuses to get out of tithing or questioning why we tithe. I suppose it's pretty simple to me. But um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of objection to it. Books written on it. And now that we have the world of the internet, you can get on there and you can type in tithing in the first, you know, five or ten things that come up will be all the people that are anti-tithing, you know what I'm saying? And so they, they write all these books and they sound very convincing. <clears throat> so what we're doing is we're looking at the issue of tithing. Um, we uh, basically started out with, you know, looking into the issue of the law because that's one of the biggest arguments. It's of the law. And or it's in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. Um, only the priest I you know, it just and they all don't always agree. They don't always, you know, and it's just like anything. When you're trying to prove what you want to prove using the Bible, you're going to find a lot of discrepancy. You're going to find finally you're going to find some error in what they're doing. And so if you examine the Bible for what it says. So we're as we're we're answering three major objections, one being Abraham, because Abraham, it, that's where tithing starts. It's the law first mentioned. That was before the law, and um, we, check, we did Jacob again before the law. They tried to um, twist you know, the agriculture or just the farmers, or it's just and it's just all kinds of issues that we kind of touched on. And so we looked at that. But this week, we're going to look at the third objection. And then next week, we're going to look into the actual, that term, the sacred portion and start to formulate what the Bible says for you and I when it comes to tithing, okay? But this week, we're going to hit the third objection. And that comes out of the the Malachi argument, amen, Malachi chapter 3. But let's get our text this morning, Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Let's get some scripture here this morning. Nick. I'm going to line up a few more scriptures. I need Malachi 3, Phil, 6 through 12. So that's the whole whole section there. I need Malachi 2.1, Ken, Malachi 2.1. I need Malachi 2.11, Lisa. Linda, you get Malachi 3.4. I need Malachi 3.6, Melanie. I need Malachi 3.7, gotta get you all involved. (laughs) Desiree. I need Malachi 3.8, Christina. I need Malachi 3.9, Santina. Jose, you can get me Malachi 3.10. And one more, Raul, I need Malachi 3.12. And we'll just stop right there for a moment. And that will kind of look at the Malachi argument. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, today we're going to look at the objections, obviously, raised in Malachi. We're also going to step into the New Testament as well. Look at a couple of scriptures, because it is mentioned in the New Testament. And um, look at a couple of those scriptures as well. And then next week we're going to look at more of you know the uh, issue of tithing from what the Bible says. Genesis 2,
1: 16 and 17.
0: Okay. So we are going to get to that next week. We'll look at the sacred portion. But let's consider the Malachi argument. Because Anyone who believes in tithing will automatically go to Malachi chapter 3. All right? You know, why do you tithe? Well, Malachi says, will a man rob God? And so that's, every one of us probably know that one. You'll hear it sometimes in an offering illustration or you'll hear it somewhere along the line, preaching in money or what have you. But most of us at tithe know that that's where we many times draw our, um, our reference from. It's uh, foundational. It gives clear instructions on tithing. Malachi 3, verses 6 through 12. Okay, so again, the Malachi is a foundational lesson when it comes to tithing. So, obviously, if you're an anti tither, you've got to discredit this scripture, okay? You've got to come against this. Um, but many times they'll discredit it and say it has no application to us as New Testament believers. And so you got the law argument, but we dealt with that, okay? We have already dealt with that in the early two objections. Tithing was before the law. It's not a law issue. It was just codified in the law. But the principle was already in place way back in Abraham's time. So one man says this. He says uh, he's an anti-tither. He writes books. Almost every tithe teacher begins at Malachi 3.6. On the other hand, God began the specific condemnation in Malachi in chapters 1, 6, and 2, 1, which he addressed the priests with the pronoun you. If one follows this pronoun from chapter 1, verse 6 to chapter 3, verse 12, it is evident it does not change. And so this is what he's saying. What he's saying is is that Malachi is being written to the priest and when you go through the whole Bible to the end, when, it's talk, when, when you come into Mal- Malachi chapter 3, he says, you have robbed me, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, what he's saying is that, that that is still talking about the priest. Let me carry on. He says, there is no legitimate textual reason to include, conclude that chapter 3, 6 through 12 is not a continued rebuke of dishonest and greedy priests. And so he's saying Malachi is speaking to dishonest Old Covenant Israelite priests. He is not speaking to the New Covenant church. And he talks about using the pronoun. Now, if you know anything about English, pronoun is an identifier. In other words, if I say, you know, the basketball team is doing this, this, and this, and you guys shouldn't be doing that, and you guys shouldn't shouldn't be doing that, well, who's you? Well, you is, identi- is, is an identifier. The word you goes back to the basketball players. Not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the basketball players because that's what my context is. If somewhere along the line I, I go, but, but the football players, they're doing this, this, and you guys shouldn't be doing this, and you, and then who am I talking about? Well, you go back to the subject, which is, or the noun, I guess, is, is the football player. So the you part of the pronoun is an identifier, so that's what he's saying. What he's saying is he's addressing the priest in chapter 1, verse 6, and every time he says the word you, Y-O-U, he's referencing, that's a pronoun, he's referencing back to who? The priest. That's his argument, okay? Malachi 2, verse 1. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. Ah, there we go. And so he, he, the argument is that uh, Malachi 3, 6-12 was written to Old Testament priests and it does not apply to us today. And so that you right there is that pronoun he's talking about. So throughout the book of Malachi, it's um, uh, referring to the priests. If we look at this, well, first of all, logically and biblically, um, if you remember a couple of lessons ago, didn't they use that as one of their arguments? They said, we are New Testament priests, so therefore we don't have to tithe. <laughs> so if it's written to priests, wouldn't it be written to you and I? I don't know what happens to that argument. Uh, because if God's rebuking the priest, then he's obviously rebuking you and I, the New Testament priest. But Then maybe they throw in the whole idea of, you know, that's Old Testament, not New, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know what they exactly do, but that was one of their arguments, that we are New Testament priests, so therefore we don't pay any tithes. We keep it ourselves. But anyways, that, again, the, the anti-tithers have different little uh, little things that they cling on to. So the question you have to ask is, well, is that true? Who is Malachi writing to? Amen. This book is being written to who? Well, what you want to do is, the book is it's a, it's a letter, if you will. It's, it's, it's a whole, it's a context from chapter 1 to chapter 4. So if you want to find out who the book is being written to, then you go back to the beginning of the book, right? Amen. Malachi 1, verse 1. Did I get that one? I did? I didn't, did I? Okay, because I didn't highlight it. Okay. Alright, somebody get me Malachi 1-1. Santina, go ahead. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Okay, so the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Okay. So the prophet begins with this opening section se- uh, um, a statement. So who's he writing to? He's writing to Israel. He's writing to the nation of Israel. So the message is to all God's people. So the pronoun who is who is in each section he's referring to to sh- sure it does every section, you know, he's kind of addressing he is addressing certain people. He's addressing maybe the priest. In chapter 1 verse 6, well yeah, he is addressing the priest. And so the pronoun would go back to the priest. But first of all, you have to establish the fact that he's writing to the nation. Amen. But if you read through the book of Malachi in chapter 2, verse 10, there's a change of subject. In fact, it might even be in your heading in your Bibles. Amen. That, that he's dealing with the treachery of infidels. So there's a change of subject. It's a new paragraph. So he's no longer talking to the priest. To carry chapter 1, verse 6 all the way through and say the whole book is talking to priests, first of all, is a violation of what it says, right? First of all, he's talking to the nation. Yes, he addresses different elements of of things that are going on because he's not just dealing with tithing. He's dealing with corrupt priests. He's dealing with people marrying foreign women. He's dealing with a lot of things here, how they treat their wives and such. Chapter two, Malachi two, verse eleven. Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Uh for Judah has
1: profaned the Lord's holy institution
0: which he loves. He has married the daughter of a born God. Okay, so now he's talking to Judah. Judah Judah actually is a um identifying mark for the whole southern kingdom, okay? So you had Samaria and the northern kingdom, you had Judah and the southern kingdom. When when Solomon died, Rehoboam took over, the kingdom split, okay? So when he's talking to Judah, he's talking to the southern kingdom. So the subject is totally changed, amen. He's no longer speaking only to the priests or only to the Levites. He's now talking to the whole nation. Once again, chapter three, verse four. Again, he, now he's going into chapter 3. Who is he talking to again? He's talking to everybody. He's talking to all people. He's talking to the entire nation. He's not just talking to the priest. He's talking to Judah, Jerusalem, amen. This is a national issue. This is everybody, not just the priest. Chapter 3, verse 6. Who is he talking to? Oh, sons of Jacob. He's talking to the 12 tribes. He's, again, talking to the nation. He's not just talking to the sons of Levi. Amen. This message is to the entire nation, and he's talking about tithing. So he's not just talking to, peop- to a certain group. So to use that as an as a argument is just totally false. Not only false, but it's, 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 it's not logical to go in there and try to grab something like that and say this is what he's talking to or who he's talking to. Malachi 3, 7. The of your fathers, you have okay, and so verse 7, he's talking about you. So we go back to verse 6. Who is the you he's talking about? The sons of Jacob. He's talking about the whole nation. And so not only is it illogical, it's just it's almost silly when you think about it. That you're going to try to prove something using the Bible when you're talking about something that just makes absolutely no sense. I mean this guy writes books on People buy these books. And so as the, as the weeks will go on, what we will come to and what we will end at and what we will see is, and that we've already kind of talked about it already, but it, it, tithing is not an issue of, you know, I've read the Bible. No, the tithing is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of this thing right here, amen. It'll always be that issue. Go back to your relationship with God. We showed that in Abraham. We showed that in Jacob, right? So that's always going to be the issue. So when you have a preference or you have an idea or you have a bias or something has ticked you off and you go to the Bible to justify it or to find something, you're going to be in big trouble. When you go to the Bible, you need to go to the Bible and say, but what does the Bible say? Not my prejudice, not my, my thinking. You know, well, this is the way it should be. And so therefore, I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to find out how the Bible is going to justify me. Let me tell you something. The Bible really is just a book of words. And you can justify anything. Anything. You can justify any sin by using the Bible. It might not work out if somebody would study it and look at it honestly. You know, but anybody that wants to prove something, they can prove it using the Bible. There was a, a man, Pastor Mitchell uses this illustration all the time, but hopefully I get it right. He's a, he got saved, but he he sells whiskey. He's a whiskey seller. He makes whiskey, right? And, he's, and he got saved. And they said, well, now that you're saved and you're a Christian, he said, you know, you can't be selling whiskey. And he said, no. He looked up in the Bible and he said, he found a verse that says, that you shall not withhold corn from your brethren. What's whiskey made from? Corn. <laughs> and he justified the fact that he was a whiskey, selling whiskey to people <laughs> because he took that one verse. It says, says it right there in the Bible. And he's selling corn mash, I guess. Corn whiskey made from corn. Yeah, It's, it's the same thing with the pot. You know what I mean? Every herb of the ground is good for you. (laughs) See? There's nothing wrong with smoking pot. (laughs) God said it's all good. It's all for you. So you can justify just about anything you want to justify. Or you can just be honest and say, but what does God say? Amen. All right. Malachi 3.8. Tithes and offerings. So the word you, 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 who is the you that has robbed God? All Israel, yeah. (laughs) All Israel is the you. It goes back to verse six, you sons of Jacob, tribes of Jacob. He's talking to the whole nation. He's not just talking to a handful of greedy priests. I'm sure there were greedy priests. I'm sure there were corrupt priests. We understand that. But he's not just talking to the small, you know, group of people within this nation. He's talking to the whole nation. That's who the you is applied to. Verse 9, I know I'm being methodical, sorry. Chapter 3, verse 9. Okay, so who is robbed? Who is cursed? This whole nation, not just the priest. So the argument to say that it was just applying to the priest is absolutely not true. Verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. Okay, so again, we're methodically going every verse because that's what they do. The you in this verse is the, the you is, no, the you is this, it's not. Every one of them, we haven't changed the subject is what I'm saying. We haven't gotten to the verse and said, and now I'm speaking to, This group of people and you need to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. This is not what he's done. He hasn't changed the subject. The you is still going back to verse 6, the whole nation, the sons of Jacob. Now, to me, in reading this, I never picked up, ever in my mind was the thought that he was just talking to priests. I've never read that. I've never read the book of Malachi and go, wait a minute, he's just talking to the priests. I've never done that. I've always logically looked at this and said, well, he's obviously talking to the whole nation. It would seem pretty obvious to me, amen. But when you're looking for something, you'll find it, amen. Malachi 3, verse 12. Okay, so just very interesting, isn't it, that he's talking about you, Will be blessed. You will be a delightful land. He's talking to the whole nation once again. Goes back to verse six the sons of Jacob, the whole nation. Amen. So it's illogical. If this was just the priest and the land that they occupied, it's it's just it's silly, really. It's nonsense. All nation, you know, all nations are gonna look back and say, This little group of people, you know what I'm saying? No, all nations are going to look at this nation and see that they are blessed, they are a delightful land. But you know, if you think about it, to say that he's just talking to the priest, aren't the priests supposed to be an example of how to live for God? So to say that only the priests are being scolded for not tithing and not, the, and not anybody else, again, is still illogical. Because the priests are supposed to be living out how it is to live for God. In other words, their lives should be modeled after. Their lives should be an example. The priest, amen, uh, they're representatives of the people to God and vice versa, amen. I mean, if it's bad for the priest to not tithe, then why wouldn't it be bad for everyone else to not tithe? Why would they be singled out? Why would they have a different standard as far as you know, how to live for God and how to worship God, how to conduct themselves before God? It doesn't make any sense. Lisa.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, whether it's back then or, or now, you know, um, it, it covers whole, whole, whole thing. Yeah. Yet. And, you know, I know a lot of people have a hard time going from Old Testament to New Testament. Some people don't even preach from the Old Testament. They say it's not in void. It's like, you mean God changed? He says even in Malachi, changed not. God has not changed one bit. He hasn't changed from Genesis to Revelations. It's the same God. Amen. And so things might change. The principles never change. The ordinance, I mean, obviously we're not sacrificing cows and thank God for that, and pigs and everything else. We're not pigs, that's right. (laughs) No pork, chickens or whatever else we're selling, you know. (laughs) Amen, Jesus is the Lamb of God. But the ordinance is not there, but the principle never changes. Jesus said not one jot or tittle of the law will pass away. He's not talking about the ordinance, he's talking about the principle. He fulfilled the law. But the principles stay the same. So it's an irrelevant, I should say, argument this morning. Because the command is not just to the priest, amen. You cannot come to the Bible to prove what you already believe. You have to come to the Bible to find out what the Bible says and say, that's what I believe. Any thoughts this morning? Go ahead. Does God honor someone who's tithing to a church
1: and maybe it's not the right church but you're tithing and doing what God's word is? Does he still
0: honor that tithe? God honor, yes, the, tithing is connected with your relationship with God. So I don't know if there's right churches, wrong churches. You know what I'm saying? I don't know all that about you know that issue. But the point is, it's my relationship. I tithe because of my relationship with God, okay? He's my provider. Uh, so I trust him. He Yeah, because I honor him. The blessing comes to my life, not just because of what I'm doing. So, but we'll look at that a little bit more in detail as we go on down the road. We have many weeks left to look at this issue of tithing. One of the main things we want to do is just look at the objections. Because like I said, you can get on the Internet. There's plenty of books and plenty of blogs that back up what these guys are saying. They use scripture. What we're doing is going in and seeing what they said and saying is what they're saying is valid, right? If they're writing a whole book on it, is it valid? Is their argument valid? What does the Bible say? And so we've looked at every one of them. Well, the main ones: Abraham, Jacob, Malachi. We did look in Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus. Of course, you find tithing in Nehemiah. You find in Amos. You find it in uh, Second Chronicles. Just mentioning it. But the three, the main places: there's Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Uh, obviously, Abraham, Jacob, Malachi. And then, of course, a few places in the New Testament. And so we're looking at all these. We're looking at what the Bible says. Because listen, tithing is not fundraising. That's not what tithing is. Amen. Fundraising is a result of tithing. Our giving to the house of God, our giving to the kingdom of God is not to pay the light bill. That's a result of our giving. Amen. We do you know, we, we enjoy the heat, the building, the, the lights or whatever. You know, I mean, it's not necessary. I mean, if we had to be in a tent, we'd be in a tent. You know what I'm saying? If we had to be somewhere, you know, it's not the issue. The issue is tithing is a, is a hard issue between you and God. It's connected with your relationship with God. You find that in the first mention with Abraham. You find it in Jacob. You'll find it time and time again. Any other thoughts? Any questions? Tithing. Like I said, we've looked at quite a bit of stuff here. We're kind of moving on through a few of the scriptures. Okay, let's consider the Pharisees herb argument. (laughs) Herb argument, I guess. Let's get some scripture. Matthew 23, verse 23. Nick. I need Leviticus 27, verse 30. Uh, Lisa. Uh, Ken, you can get me Proverbs 3.9. Uh, Phil, you can get me Matthew 23.23 23 a second time. And then I'd lead Luke 10.25-28. Linda, I'll we'll wrap this up. Okay. Okay, one of the common objections to tithing is the claim that it's not found in the New Testament. Matthew 23, verse
1: 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint
0: and anise and cummin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Think about this. Jesus. Makes a statement, these you ought to have done. What that word ought means is you must, you should, it's necessary, amen. It's what is right, what is fitting, amen. So here's God in the flesh in the New Testament telling you and I it's right to tithe. You know, it's like the whole food argument. You know, because today we got the whole Jewish roots movement creeping in and people going to their rabbis and different things. And, uh, you know, because it's so ungodly to eat a pork sandwich. You know how that is. And that's the whole food issue. But, you know, Jesus made a statement in Mark chapter 9. He says all food is purified, making all foods pure. he's He's giving a dissertation. He says it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, it's what comes out of the heart that defiles a man. He says, and he speaks very commonsensical, if you know what I'm saying, if that's even a word. He says, it goes into your mouth, it goes into your stomach, and it goes into the sewer system. He says, it doesn't go into your heart, thus purifying all foods. And so he makes a statement, which is pretty crazy, and pretty radical, even in the day he's living in. Now, he's not going to go out and have a pork sandwich. Obviously, he's not going to do that, okay, because he realizes the law. He realizes where he's at, the dynamics that are at. You ever notice Jesus always healed on the Sabbath? It's like the Bible purposely points out that he's healing on the Sabbath. I know he healed far more on other days. In fact... The Sabbath's only once a week. He's healing all the time. John says if there was books, we wouldn't have enough books to contain all that he did. But yet the Bible purposely and every gospel shows Jesus' healing, not on Friday, not on Wednesday, not on Monday, but on the Sabbath day. What do you think he's trying to say? Like he said, he said, that you, we were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. It was created for us. You know, I was looking at that whole food thing. When you go into the book of Acts, Peter was a good Jewish boy. He's raised in this stuff, okay? We know Peter had a little bit of a problem. He had obviously a bigotry problem, Jews, Gentiles, right? Paul has to rebuke him in Galatians because he's playing the hypocrite. He said even Barnabas was playing it. But isn't it interesting that here's, he's going to give this man a vision to get him to get away from the Jewish thing, to go reach Cornelius. What's he give him a vision of? Unclean animals coming down in the sheet. He's going to give him a vision of a million different things. Why that? Why that specific thing? Kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. I'm a good Jewish boy, I don't eat this kind of food. You know that, I don't eat anything that's unclean. And God God says, don't you call unclean what I call clean. Now I understand he's referring to the Gentiles, but he's talking about the food. Could have used any illustration he wanted to use, but he purposely used that illustration. Later on in Timothy, he says the same thing. He says it's not about the food. Colossians, Paul, Paul constantly trying to get away from that thing, constantly in his preaching. And So when we did the study on the Jewish roots movement, one of the things you find that if you take it to its extreme, Paul is ostracized. In fact, some take it to the extreme, not all. But some take it to the extreme. Paul's ostracized. I mean, if you take it to the ex- exact extreme, what do you need Jesus for? Right? You already had a perfect system. Why do you need Jesus? If you got to follow all these laws, he didn't have to come. We know that's just that gets crazy, man. So in this text that I've just read, Jesus pointedly says this you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now let's look at the argument against this because that's what we're looking at, right? Of course, they, they use the produce argument, right? They, uh, you should only tithe on what you grow. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Okay, so we go to Leviticus and we say that's what tithing is, involves. So if you're a farmer and you got f- produce and stuff, then you need to tithe. But, you know, if you're, if you're a carpenter, well, you don't have to tithe, you know. And so this is what the, one of their statements was. God did not command tithes from that which man produced, built, sculptured, fashioned, or earned through his own wisdom. Money from crafts and trade always exists in the Bible, but it was never included in the basic definition of tithes of food. Well, that's not true because we looked at that last week, or the week before. Abraham gave money. Jacob vowed to give tithes of all. And so it's it's just absolutely untrue. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Proverbs is not the law. Proverbs is wisdom. Proverbs says the first fruits, which is talking about tithing, right? The first fruits of all your increase. Not just whatever else, not just food increase, not just if you're a farmer, but the first fruits of all your increase, amen. So the whole argument about it's just tithe is only relegated to produce or crops is not true. Wasn't true with Abraham. It wasn't true with Jacob. The other argument is that when Jesus talked about this, it's the pre-cross argument. That these words were spoken before Jesus died. The moment he died, the law was nailed to the cross, and Jesus, so Jesus approving the tithe is no longer in effect. What's wrong with this logic? you're thinking here. Okay. (laughs) Answer. (laughs) Because if you take that one scripture and you throw out tithing, then you're going to have to throw out the rest of it as well. Justice, mercy, and faith. Which faith is faithfulness. So in other words, you're throwing it all out. Amen. They are spoken of in the law. Spoke, he said, you, what did he say? You, you, you're leaving behind the, the weightier matters of the law. Mercy, justice, and faith. So these are matters of the law. So if you're going to throw out the law, do we throw that out too? Or do we just throw out the part that you don't want to do? Right? We're gonna throw out tithing, but we're not gonna, you know, but well, you know, well, you gotta throw it all out. You might as well throw the Ten Commandments out. That's the law as well. And so what we what we're seeing here is, is that it's clear that non-tithers have an agenda that twists Scripture to fit their preference. Tithing was before the law, so it's not done away with by the cross any more than faith is done away with, because it goes back to Father Abraham, the faith of our father Abraham. Amen. Paul would always use that argument. Said, But faith was on the scene long before the law was. The law was our tutor, and we can go down that road and everything. But the point is, is that the pre-cross argument is not logical. Because if you're going to throw out that part of the law, then you've got to throw it all out. Jesus specifically said these are part of the law. So let's look at the true lesson. Matthew 23:23 23,
1: 23, a second time.
0: Okay, so tithing you ought to have done just like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. If you look at these two, one is talking about our expression of love for God, which is part part of tithing, and the other one is how you treat other people. And you'll find this parallel all the time in the law. The law will bring out principles that have to do with your relationship with God and your relationship to others. Time and time again, do not neglect mercy, justice, and faith, or literally faithfulness, amen, which is the essence of the law. What is the essence of the law? To love God and to love people. Luke 10, 25-28 And he said, "28." Isn't that amazing? He asked this man, "What is written in the law?" Well, you know what—that—that that, he'd have been there all day if he told him what was written in the law. But he answered it: "You shall love God, and you shall love people—the two great commandments." That's the essence of the law. Your relationship with God, your relationship to people. You know, if you got that perfect on planet Earth, you'd have a perfect world. You wouldn't open up the paper and find people killing people, people ripping people off, nations rising against nation, if you loved God and you loved your neighbor as yourself. Think about that. Just those two commandments, which really are the two principles of all of the commandments, is your relationship with God and your relationship with They have to go together. It's all the law. And Jesus says, you have answered rightly. Do this. Do this. He, he, He points to the law and says, do this. Two. Love God. Love people. Maria. Uh, you know, when I was uh,
1: young, uh, I learned that uh, when I get something like when I go to the garden and make my garden, you know, and the best thing from my garden, I take it to my my uncle because my father passed away. I My father pa- uh, passed away when I was a little. So I take the best thing. give me the best thing from the garden. I never think about it, so when I come and uh, I get saved in this church, you know, and I say, wow, now God is my father now, so I'm going to give them my very best when I go make the money, you know. So I always keep beyond that I think that I the best things, like I go and make money and I give beyond. That. Yeah. And I still give the old thing that. So I was like really admired that I get saved, that I, you
0: know, I love people and I love, I love God. You know, both of these, a love for God and a love for people, uh, involve evidence, right? It's not, it's not just words, right? Actions that reveal the heart. If you love people, there's going to be evidence. If you love God, there's going to be evidence. There will always be an expression of your love toward people, toward God. And so this is the essence of the law. All of the principles that the ordinances were pointing to is to have a relationship with God and, and love God to love people. So here's Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He does not condemn tithing. He approves of tithing. Amen. Why? Because it's the principle of the law. Neither tithing, justice, mercy, faith are done away with by the cross. Both are principles to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole law. Any thoughts? Lisa. You know, you think about the, the time
1: that Jesus was um on the earth with his disciples, um, you know, he was he was teaching his men those
0: Okay. Anyone else? Questions? Comments? Rebuttals? Contradictions? (laughs) Right.
1: So I'm just thinking, like, how this all boils down. So, say you're, like, witnessing to somebody, or it's a new convert, and they come to you and they say, Why should I do this?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I would go to the Bible and say, well, you know, it's 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 uh, just like what we're saying here. We're going to look at more of it. okay? we're going to get more into it later on, like the sacred portion. God always has a, a part that's his. I have no problem going to Malachi and say, well, Malachi says this. But it's an issue of the heart. You know, Abraham, when he came back, the Bible says he gave a tithe of all. And there was not, no, you know, you, you read around, it's like, where does this come from? It just like came out of the thin air that he, he tithed. And Jacob said the same thing, if you will do this and if you'll do that. And it wasn't just the condition that he was tithing. It was the fact that, you know, it was God's, God's involvement in, in his life. It's like, but, you know, God, if you'll help me, if you'll, if you'll, you know, be who you are, be who you say you are, then I will express my love and gratitude towards you and giving you a tenth of all. That's what I would do. You know what I'm saying? I would just go back to the Scripture and say, that's what it is. It's an attitude of... That's why we're looking at the Bible for what it says. That way you can go into the Bible and say, well, this is what it says. All right? But we'll look at more things down the road. The sacred portion is what we're going to look at next week because that's what we've been talking about. We've called the study the sacred portion. We haven't said anything about it yet. So next week, six, we will look at... (laughs) the sacred portion, going back into Genesis. And uh, you'll see this principle throughout the Word of God. And, uh, you know, and and obviously, you know, the the idea of money, money is very spiritual. Jesus talked a lot about money. Where your treasures, your heart will be also, because your heart will follow the money, you know, just the way it is. Whatever you invest in, whatever you give to, that's where your heart will be. If your, if your investment is into you, it's all about you, you know what I mean, and every, well, it'll all be about you. You'll follow you, you know what I'm saying? Your desire, your will. Wherever you put your money at, that's where you follow. OK, so there's so many different angles. Because this is actually a huge subject, very huge subject. Not just tithing, but you know, financial uh, stewardship. Well, hey, let's get ready for church. Lord bless you this morning.